This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Get your hand up right, real high, or ushers to get you on. You know, I'm looking up here. We're, we're going to really work on these lights here in the next month, so we're going to try to make things a little brighter so you can read your Bible, so you can actually see the Word of God, so our ushers aren't giving you those things in vain. But once you've got a Bible, go with me to the book of Malachi chapter 3. If you're watching by live stream, we're glad to have you tonight. I, I welcome you to hang on to what took place here earlier, just the faithfulness of God. You know, King David said, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I believe that. And so hang, hang on to those things and just get in the presence of the Lord and the Lord will, will move in your life. We're going to Malachi chapter 3. Now, if you've ever studied the Bible at all, you know in Malachi 3, it, it highlights the area of tithing. And oftentimes you have the thought, why, why would anybody tithe? Why would anybody give God 10% of their increase? Because I, I give back because the, the increase I'm experiencing in my life is from God. I, I believe that. I, I believe that God has caused an increase to come to me so it has nothing to do with self-sufficiency. Right. Nothing. Now, I want you to see a truth right here, and all I'm going to read is, is Malachi 3.10. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What do you do with the word all? Well, again, all would be every time I get increase, that, that first 10% is go to, to God. Every time I get increase. So he said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse was the church, okay? Why, why did God say that? He said, that there may be food or resources in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. So right here, if you'll catch the, the nugget that he's talking about, the act or the obedience of honoring God with the tithe, when I actually do that, that's what releases the blessing. And so I, I, I can't bypass this. I can't go around it. I, I must learn to honor the Lord, and I faithfully honor him. And because you faithfully honor him, you've always got seed in the ground. And so if I've always got seed in the ground, I've always got a harvest coming or it's already there. It may be an uh, interesting start if you've never done this before. It may not be easy. It may be a great step of faith. But stay with it, okay? Especially in the economy we live right now. God will take care of us, okay? Just honor him and watch what he'll do. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to give. Lord, we... We thank you that as we honor with our, our tithes and our offerings tonight, Lord, your promise was you would open the windows, plural, of heaven. And you would pour out blessing on us. There would not be room enough for us to receive. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you that that promise is still in motion in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A couple quick announcements. Um, the faith closet is open tonight right after the service. There's food, there's stuff there. Be sure and get your children and then go up there. And, and as you go up there, 
please tell those ladies that serve so faithfully up there, thank you. Thank you. It's incredible what they do. And so tell them thank you also if you're a young adult and you can determine if you're young. You know, you may be 80, but you still feel young. The exchange is Friday night, June 17th, right here at 7. And then this Sunday is Father's Day. Yeah, and I, I still believe there's a lot, a lot of good godly daddies out there. So we're going to honor fathers on Sunday, so be sure and be there for that. Again, another thing I'm going to ask you to do is vacation Bible school for our children is starting here on Sunday, June 26th through Wednesday the 29th. We really need help. We need people. It's, if it's just one night, if it's all of them, we welcome you to that. But we need your help, okay, to pull that off, and it'll be a blessing. One last thing. Um, Saturday morning at 9 is the men's breakfast. Uh, so be, make sure you make yourself available to that. That's Saturday morning at 9. Okay, turn with me the book of, of 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5, that's way back there in the back. Way, way, way back there. If you've gone to Deuteronomy, gone a little bit too far. We've been on these counterfeits forever, it seems like. And when I talk about the things called counterfeits, it's the idols. And so when you begin to study what the Lord says about this, Idols or idolatry is, is rooted in disobedience. And, and you may say, well, where do you get that from? Well, in Exodus 20, that's, that's the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions, but the Ten Commandments. The very first one the Lord said in verse 3, he said, have no other gods before me. There, there is no, there's one God, Okay. And his name is Yahweh. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the great Jehovah. The second thing he said is he gets over in verse 4 and 5. Don't make for yourself any carved image that you would bow down to it. So he gives us those commands. But when I choose to live for idols, I've disobeyed what he said. So again tonight we're on this area of idols and I, I'm pretty close to saying this, this may be my last night to go on this. I'm going to start jumping on some areas of faith that the Lord's really moving. So don't miss on Wednesday nights. But we begin here on 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God, the, the one who believes, who has faith that Jesus Christ, he's born of God. The fact. Now, I love what he says right there to start with. Whoever believes. Now, whether you've ever realized this or not, you're a whoever. I'm a whoever. And so, again, the, the, the thing that he highlights here is I just got to believe in the Lord Jesus. And it's interesting to me that many people will say, well, how could you believe in somebody you've never seen? Well, there's a lot of things I haven't seen, but I still believe because that's the act of faith to say, you know what? Something begins to happen in my heart that I know Jesus is real. <laughs> and it's like, this is, this is incredible. And so I pray that God has those inner encounters with you, but he goes on to say, and everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him, you become part of the family of God. 
That's us. We're the family of God. Verse 2. By this, this is how you can be sure that we love the children of God. Now listen to what he says. When we love God and we keep his commandments. Now it's one thing to love God. I can say I love you, Lord, but it's another thing to keep his commandments. Now he gets in a little deeper on this in verse 3 and he says, For this is the love of God. This is the proof of the love of God. This, this is what the love of God means. And look what he says. That we keep his commandments. That we obey his commandments. Now, it's, it's not just to, to know about the things of God. It's just not to know about the, the, the commandments of God. It's actually to obey the commandments of God. And I, I don't know if you've ever had a desire to really obey the commandments of God. A ask God to grace you. Woo, grace me, Father God, to obey you. Grace me to pray. I double dog dare you to start doing that. Father God, grace me to obey you. I, I want to obey you. And he ends in verse three with an incredible comment. And he said, and his commandments are not burdensome. They, they, they don't weigh me down. So when he says this, here, here's a great thought for you. Do the commandments of God in your life, are they a delight or are they done out of a duty? Because if they're done out of duty, that's religion. Man, it'll wear you out. But when it's a delight to say, Father God, I, I take delight in obeying you. Man, so, something begins to happen. So when we read this, Jesus never did say in the word that it would be easy to obey him. Never said that, okay? Verse four. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. My, my faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, when we see this word world, he, he's not talking about this place called earth, this planet of earth, but the world is the things that are opposed to God and his kingdom. This, this current age, this secular age, the, the value system of this world, which is under the dominion of, of the devil. And so it's interesting that his statements with the world. Now, where, if, you, if, if you never have studied this or you never aware, have been made aware of this, that there is a constant pull on us from the world. 1 John 2, 15 says, all that's in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of the life. So day by day, even as a born-again Christian, the things of the world are pulling at us day by day by day. And sometimes the current of that is stronger than other times. Have you ever been in something and it's like, man, the things of the world are just bombarding me. That's what's going on. But I want you to turn back just a few pages back to the left to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and so just, just because there's a pull of the world on me, I don't have to succumb to that. I don't have to give in to that. And I, I can live for God. I can be godly in an ungodly world. 
Now, we've been in James 4 several times here, but I'm just going to highlight one verse tonight, James 4, verse 4. And it's interesting, James' first words, he says, adulterers and adulteresses. Was he saying here that there's a possibility for you to become spiritual adulterers or a spiritual adulteress? And so when I see those two words right there, whether dealing with a male or a female, you know what those words say? Unfaithful. Unfaithful. So when he uses this word, am I in an unholy relationship with the world? Now he goes on to say something interesting. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Flirting with the world places you at odds with our Heavenly Father. Now, when I look at what he's talking about, when you give your heart to Jesus, it's like you marry Jesus. And the way we marry Jesus, we make these vows or this confession of faith that says, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. And, and so when I, I look at what he talks about, have I broke my marriage vows to Jesus? And it's one thing to call him Lord, but it's another thing to live for him as Lord. And so James goes on to say, Whoever therefore wants to be of the friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. You've cheated on God. Now, when I look at everything this is talking about, the world again refers to the world system, to all the values of the world, the mindsets of the world, the philosophies of the world, and, and the world's priorities they run contrary to, to the things of the will of God. And, and the world over and over suggests that your success requires you to turn away from the path of godliness and to neglect developing that relationship with God. So I can't have them both. Now again, I said this a minute ago. Jesus never said obeying him was going to be easy. Turn with me to the book of, of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And I'm just going to read two verses in this. And you'll see when we get there that these are red letter words. This is the Lord Jesus. And he said in verse 13, Matthew 7 verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. What he's talking about is the way you come to the Lord is a real narrow gate. You know why it's a narrow gate? Because there's only one way to Jesus. There's only one way to the Father. It's through the Son. There's not, there's not many ways. There's just this, this narrow gate or this narrow road. Then the Lord Jesus says, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Wide gate, broad path. The New Living Translation says, it's the highway to hell. And some of you thought, well, ACDC wrote that. Now they copied it out of the Bible is what happened. 
But isn't it interesting, he says, this, this wide gate, this wide road was the road that leads to destruction. So when I got, get on this highway that's literally the, the highway of the world, when I start doing my life the way the world tells me to do it, it's going to lead to destruction. And he ends in verse 13 and says, there are many who go in by it. Many. In, in other words, this wide road is very, very popular. Hmm. Verse 14. Because narrow is the gate, and listen to what he says here, and difficult is the way that leads to life. Difficult. Not easy. So the Lord, he's given us warning. And I don't know if you were ever told when you give your heart to Jesus, whoo, it's going to be smooth sailing. You're never going to have problems again. That's not true. Jesus said it's, it's difficult. And, and look how he ends verse 14. And there are only a few who find it. Only a few. Because it's difficult. It's not easy. And so what happens many times, especially within the body of Christ, we have this, this thought, why don't we create a, a, a knockoff Jesus that, that's based on, on my terms? A knockoff Jesus that doesn't confront the, the ungodly ways of our world or our society. So to a degree, you know what we begin to think? Well, why don't we just widen the road? Why don't we just make some alterations where, where we can conveniently skip some of the commandments that we don't like? And so we begin to have the thought, Lord Jesus, it really shouldn't be difficult. But it's not about majority. And it's not about my opinion. Truth, not numbers, is the determining factor. Truth. And so when he says this road is very difficult, to obey the truth is not easy. But God will help us. God will bless us. He'll move in our lives. So I've hung on to this last passage for a number of, of months. And, and I want you to go to the book of Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And as you're turning there, never, never undervalue obedience. I think one of the deciding factors between the narrow road and the wide road is my level of obedience. How many of you found out it's pretty easy to, no, I shouldn't say easy, it's easier to obey God when life is going pretty smooth. But when you start hitting some bumps in the road, you know what you find out? What's really on the inside of you? Yeah. 
And that's where I believe many people, they get off. They get off. They, they exit the narrow road and say, I'm going to get back on that wide road. Luke chapter 14, verse 15. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with Jesus heard these things, he said to him, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. So there's this dinner guest, and he's saying, blessed is the person that one day is going to be at the kingdom feast in heaven. Blessed. And, and Jesus responds to what he says. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper, and he invited many. The Lord Jesus invites many to this great feast that's going to take place. Now, I, I begin to think in this that if you've ever been invited to a, a birthday party, some, some big fest, something huge is going on, and you know it's in the future, what do you do with that? We, we write it on a calendar, man. We put on there such and such time. We mark the date. Or you put it in your phone, and so you know what you do immediately? You realize that day is priority. I, I marked that day off. Nothing can interfere with that day. So this is kind of what's going on right here. He invited many. Verse 17. And the Lord Jesus sent his servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. The food's on the table. Now, when I read verse 17, it's pretty evident the guests in this parable had accepted an advanced invitation. They had accepted it because the servant came and said, come on, it's ready. Verse 18. But they all with one accord, one by one, begin to make excuses. And so every one of us in our life, when we begin to make excuses... What are those, uh, those excuses? What do they communicate? I don't have time. It's interfering with my plans. It's inconveniencing me. My, my priorities are higher than yours. Now, now think about this, that every one of us that you know, Jesus invited every one of us to the, uh, the, the wedding feast. He's invited every one of us. Every mankind's invited. And, and I believe everyone in here, man, we know we're invited. And so we wouldn't blow it off. Or would we? We, we wouldn't blow it off on purpose. Or would we? Now watch what he says here, because I believe the idols of this world play into this. But they with all one accord begin to make excuses. The first one said, I've bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. 
I got to go look it over. I'm, I'm obligated to inspect it. Now, to break this down and make it real simple, he was buying a piece of property or real estate. Is it sin to buy a piece of property or real estate? No. No. Except when property and real estate become what I live for. It, it consumes me. And he says at the end there, verse 18, I ask you to have me excused. Send my regrets. So think about this. You're invited to the marriage feast, and we sure wouldn't turn down the opportunity to go to heaven, or would we? And so are we like this? We'd say, Father God, I, I, I desire heaven and everything, but you know what? Don't, don't interrupt my real estate transactions. So guess what this guy does right here? He places this as priority above God. Verse 19. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. Five yokes of oxen. Five teams of oxen. And he says, I got to go test them. You know what he's going to do? He's going to hook them up and he's going to go in the field and see about plowing how well they do. So it would be like me. I got a new John Deere mower. And you know what? I know I was invited to the marriage feast, but I, I got this this new toy, this new equipment. Now listen, is it wrong for me to get a new John Deere tractor? Is that sinful? No. But I believe the Lord Jesus is making a point here, whether it's a tractor, whether it's a boat, whether it's the, the things of this life that begin to move God out. And notice, this is the marriage feast. This is the, the celebration of going to heaven. And they said, hey, hey, excuse me. Would you excuse me? See, I, I don't believe any of us would willingly say to Jesus, excuse me. Can, can you put heaven on time out? Just hold on there, Lord. Do you not know we're a busy society? Verse 20. Still another said, I've married a wife. I just got married. I got to go home to my wife. I, I got to take care of my wife. So was he saying it's a sin to get married? I hope not. No, he wasn't. But what is he telling us here? When I start putting relationships with people above my relationship with Father God, something begins to happen. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God. 
And all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So God's not against you having real estate. God's not against you having a new John Deere mower. God's not against your relationships, except when they override who's supposed to be first. So every one of those things, I believe the Lord Jesus those are pools of the things of the world. Not sinful. But Jesus doesn't quit. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. You want to see how the master felt about it? Then the master of the house being angry. Woo! He's angry because he's been rejected. The Lord's upset because he's no longer priority. And so my, my activities, anyone, anything, or any activities that replaces God has become idolatry. And so he gets angry about it and he said to his servant, go quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. You know what he's talking about here? A world full of needy people. And it's interesting, everybody he mentions there, he didn't say, go, go find the religious. Go find the perfect. Because there's not any perfect. Because in the truth of the matter, this is us. We're all messed up. We're all a bunch of broken pieces. And I only do one or two things with Jesus. I, I receive him and I welcome him or I reject him. So he goes on to say, and the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded and still there is room. Woo, there's still room in heaven. Heaven doesn't have this sign out and says, no vacancy, sorry, pal. Thank God. Heaven doesn't have a no vacancy sign. Heaven doesn't have a sign closed. Heaven doesn't have a sign that says out of order. Heaven's still open. Then the master said to the servant, he said, go out in the highways, the hedges, compel or urge them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you, ooh, listen to this. That none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper. Lord Jesus is the same Lord Jesus had said in Matthew 7. And on that day, many will say to me, But Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We preached in your name. See, it's one thing to call him Lord, it's another thing to live for him. And so again, ne never, never, never underestimate my, my obedience. That obedience does something to God. But let me ask you something here in just these last 30 seconds. Is there anything in your life right now that interrupts your relationship with God? That, that moves God where, Father God, you're not priority. And, and it's not just about charming the church. Coming to church is a great thing. But what do I do day by day by day by day? Do I wake to the things of God? 
Do, do, do I seek God? Do I have a desire for divine encounters? Or has my life been so consumed by the things of this world? Why don't you stand up here? You know, the Bible's very clear. We're all called to go to work. You don't work, you don't eat. But I've had my, have I made my work or my work duties God? And every one of us in here that are moms, dads, I, I can't ignore my family responsibilities. But when I start putting my family responsibilities over God, I'm really making you think because it made me think. And what about my financial needs? I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. <laughs> and I begin to put God second. And I think this becomes a wake-up call from the Lord Jesus to say, man, just give me praise, give me honor. Look to me, seek me. Would you bow your head here? Father God, we love you tonight. We honor you tonight. And Lord, I pray you, you breathe on every one of us an unwavering loyalty to you, an allegiance to you that surpasses anything of this world. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for everything you did for us. We thank you, Father God, that you're the God who welcomes every one of us, the whosoever's of the world. And Lord, we thank you right now that you would deposit within every one of us obedience, but also a hunger to please you. And Lord, we praise you tonight. We thank you again. Woo, just your mercy and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.